Hello, my name is Jacob and I'd like to introduce you to the first recording of the Historical Miniature Gamers podcast. We're a podcast with a heavy focus on Bolt Action, which is a skirmish miniature war game from Warlord Games. As well, we do focus a lot on tabletop gaming within Perth, Western Australia. Just a quick apology, there is a gap in the video version of this cast due to technical difficulties. Not to worry, we'll carry on and improve as we go. Enjoy your stay listening with us. So, uh, I'm Daniel. Uh, I've been a wargamer for the better part of about 17 years now. Um, and these guys just before saw my garage of shame, uh, which was quite <laughs> significant. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's been quite good. And uh, on my left. Uh, so, my name's Gorchen. I've been a wargamer for a little bit less than... Daniel, uh, probably a little over a decade now, but I've only sort of seriously gotten into it in the last couple of years. Done a lot of sort of, you know, 40k, played a lot of that casually, but um, about a little over a year ago now, or maybe just under a year ago now, I got, I heard about Bolt Action, got into it, and I thought, yeah, it's really sort of picked up a lot of steam for me and, and really sort of found that inspiration that a lot of people look for in hobby. Uh, and I'm Jacob, and I'm probably the most fresh to wargaming. Uh than anybody in our sort of community that we have. Maybe I've been doing it about five years, pretty much since I've moved from Sydney to Perth, uh, just as an escape from doing video games, which is kind of where <laughs> my uh, interests have been. Um, but yeah, Bolt Action's my primary game. Uh, really enjoy the conflict, the rules are super simple, um, and that's what I've enjoyed playing up until now for probably about two, three years. Um, yeah. And um, I didn't specifically state what game systems I play because there's a lot. Um, predominantly here, I'll be talking about Bolt Action. Um, and really, that's coming from uh, a connection with the particular period and the conflict. Uh, the, my family is a military family. They're um, all, all Navy on my mum and dad's side. Um, back about, I think it's five generations back. Um, so there's a few things in there which are quite relevant in how we play in some of the expansions like Cruel Seas and, mm. and uh, the naval conflicts that happen in that space. Um, but I've always had an interest in military history um, ever since I was very, very young. Um, I was always getting military books out of the library. I was always getting military books and stuff um, from family and friends. Uh, and that really hasn't slowed down since I started with scale modeling and World War II models and planes and choppers and a whole box and dice. And then when I found Bolt Action, which is then simply scale warfare using that sort of time period and those sorts of uh, those sorts of vehicles and, and everything, um, I was already hooked on wargaming playing 40k, but I've had a very, very drastic shift into Bolt Action since picking that up in version 2. I did play in version 1, but um, version 2 is really where we started uh, pushing things a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of local events start up as well. Um, so what about yourself? Yeah, so my interest in, in wargaming is, is not as personal as, as yours, Daniel, but I think sort of when you talked about how you got into military history and came from there, that sort of echoes a lot of my history as well. Um, I was always interested in military history more than anything else, and I sort of tended to lean more towards the technical, tactical sort of level as opposed to operational and logistics. That I know some people love to argue dates and, and orders of battle and who was where and when and whether or not that particular variant was there at that time, but I found that that really sort of didn't interest me as much. I was really interested in, in sort of strategy and tactics and sort of principles behind it. And some of the, and naturally because of that, you, you end up in this dichotomy where sometimes, you know, a new design from an ordnance department 
dictates doctrine and sometimes you get that going the other way as well and that that's sort of where my interest is bled in and I thought you know is there is there some way where I can go from reading about a principle and applying it and I was like well I can't really do that in the schoolyard because it's not going to fly very well I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting my class lights to line up in shield walls but but scale modeling sort of works really well in that regard um, so just for people who are listening who aren't familiar with bolt action and some of the terms we're talking about we're all talking about tabletop wargaming which is really an advanced type of board game think of a real-time strategy that you're doing on a pc like a video game think of an advanced version of chess um it, it, it's it's something that you play usually with one friend and, and you're, you're taking turns and, and you have a side you know someone will be the allies someone will be the axis and and you, you pick a, a theater and a battle that you kind of want to simulate um with your forces and, and, and see who's sort of the victor. Um, and uh, we're all from Perth in Australia, in WA, um, and uh, we've probably all known each other in some way, shape or form for a couple of years now. Um, and most of us do frequent a lot of establishments that focus on bolt action. Mm. So uh, there's a few clubs in Perth that... Uh, predominantly focus on bolt action so you've got um outpost 6030 which has been probably in operation for at least five or, or, or more years uh, 10 or 15 10 or 15 yeah, long, well, long time. i'm brand new to this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. since but, you've been here yeah, yeah um then you've got uh perth miniature gamers group yep. um they've been around for a long time as well uh they've kind of migrated to chain of command which is uh a very similar rule set to bolt action in the sense that it's World War Two using the same scale models. It has some different advanced rules and these kind of things. And you've also got the Rockingham Historical Gamers, which we're all a part of. Yep. Um, we have been operating for roughly 14 months. Uh, we have 150 members on Facebook now. Uh, and pretty much every Sunday, someone is coming to visit us to either learn how to play bolt action play an event, play a regular game, all these kind of things. And from there, uh, we were also, we'll explore other games predominantly around that conflict because yeah. that seems to have a genuine link or interest between most of the people that we uh, meet. Um, but we also try all kinds of things. So, you know, Dark Ages combat with like the Vikings and those mm-hmm. kind of things and uh, 40K, which is, which is Warhammer, which is, you know, space marines and orcs and all those kind of things but uh, we predominantly play advanced board games with miniatures that you paint and you build the terrain and these kind of things but um, some of these games are are, as simple as just cards or or, or chips on on a board game and these kind of things as well Um, but those are basically all of our interests Um, and yeah uh, just yeah and some so there's actually still New Year 2020. Yeah. I started with a newborn child, <laughs> two under two, sucker for punishment, um, and that's obviously changed uh, some of what I was trying to get achieved <laughs> in 2020. Um, but we do still have other events that are coming along. So, uh, for example, on February the 22nd, uh, which is a Sunday. Uh, Objective Secured is running a mixed gaming day with a whole bunch of systems being played. One of those is Bolt Action. We're doing an event called Raiding Party, 
which focuses on the firefight supplement that's coming through. Um, lots of fun, some some very different things that I've put together. Um, me being the TO, um, very very different things I've put together that's going to throw a few curveballs at people. I'm especially looking forward to Panic. Uh, we might link that in the description later. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that one's looking forward as well. Um, we also potentially have a club bits night or yeah, swap that, meet happening um, soonish. Yeah, that, that, that that's going to be something for next month. So yep. there, there is a number of events that that we've got uh, in in plan for the year. But in, in short, um, if you join the Rockingham uh, Historical Gamers Facebook group, you'll be uh, queued in with pretty much anything that's related to the hobby yep. within our club and others as well. That yes. If you need to find out a bolt action event or, or information on any of that stuff, you got the bolt action Perth uh, Facebook group, and you got the Rockingham Historical Gamers one as well. Yeah. Either one or both of them, you're pretty much going to find everything that is happening in Perth, and um, a lot of the clubs are sort of interlinked and, and, and all sort of communicate freely with each other. So if you have any interest in the conflict, trying these kind of games, join either of those groups talk to some people there everybody is super friendly we, I, 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 there isn't a negative soul that I've found in this whole community um, everybody is super passionate about just wanting to play these games and teaching others how to play them um, and uh, if you are some kind of um, uh, veteran of wargaming you, you might uh, see some stark differences with the player base of bolt action as against some of these ultra competitive games um, I've just found that everybody is really just wants to have a friendly, casual, fun game rather yeah. than uh, trying to table you. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting the events that um, I've been putting together. So I've been the main bolt action uh, TO for the last three years now. Yeah. Um, and I sort of started because some people were like, "Oh, it'd be really good to get an event together." And I was like, "Well, I can do that for you, but I've, you know, I don't know what sort of scale we're looking at." Um, so the first event we had ten people. Um, and the year after that, we had 20, the, actually it wasn't even the year after that, it was like six mm. months after that. Um, then we started approaching 30 and we're sort of getting between 20 to 30 regular players. And the cool thing is they're not actually all the same players. We're getting new people all the time, um, which is really quite good. Um, so there's a lot of, it's not that there's actually turnover, it's just that people aren't available at certain times, but we're mm. still hitting those numbers. But they're all cruisy, they're all casual players. Mm. We don't have... The, the horrible win-at-all-cost style play uh, in Perth. We're very, very lucky. Even even our other game systems don't really feature it that heavily. Um, but bolt action lends itself to uh, a sense of fair play and a sense of casual play that is mm. um, yeah, it's quite enjoyable. It's quite good. That was, that was actually one of the things that really grabbed me about bolt action specifically. I played mm. a little bit of Flames of War, played some 40k, and I've tried a few other war games as well. But I think there's... There's this really interesting thing that they've done with bolt action, and I know it probably sounds a little bit overdone at this point, but the way they do the turn order and bolt action, you have as much agency as you do in any other game, but at the same time, you can't control the table as easily as you can in mm. another game. Yeah. So for those that aren't familiar, a typical war game will usually run off an I-go-you-go scenario. So I move all of the forces that I've have on the field and then I shoot all of them and then you know I'll try to charge into close quarters or I'll use some special abilities or something like that there are some games where you know one player moves and the other one then everybody shoots and everybody shoots but what bolt action does is it does it completely differently you know you have a 
a random way of activating units and sometimes you might get to activate a couple of units in a row and sometimes your opponent gets that opportunity but generally speaking it most of the time it feels about one for one and mm. I think it captures the uh, that sort of shift that happened in World War II when you went from sort of static quite large scale operations to those operations still occurring at the large scale but at the tactical level you had a lot more initiative and a lot more maneuver and a lot more as the unfortunate reality is a lot more lethality at that level and so you had to think and you had to move quite differently and you had to rely on your lower echelons of leadership to to be able to win the day and I think that really carries through in bolt action without removing any player agency without feeling like you can't control the game and having authority as a player because nobody likes that nobody likes a completely random system Um, but at the same time you want there to be an element of chance otherwise you're not Mm. playing a game um, another thing that aspect I find is why this game is so easily uh, relatable or to, to, to try and start and how to play is, is a number of things one it's very cheap um, so yeah. a lot of the war games out there um, you need hundreds of infantry a couple of vehicles maybe some kind of flying vehicle and, and, and these kind of things and the price point for that it's not it's not something that you can collect and say, I've got a little bit of extra cash from you know my paycheck and I can buy this whole army in one go and start building and collecting and probably playing the following week. One, with a lot of those games, building those models is going to take you months if you can afford it. The expense is really high. With Bolt Action, you're really buying a plastic infantry box which can run anywhere from $30 to $60 a vehicle and you're pretty much ready to go <laughs> in, in a sense so, especially if you're running a veteran list you can yeah. run a very lean very effective mobile force for quite a low sort of monetary input yeah and we actually brought, we probably touch on that a bit later when we get into um, basic list types as well yeah. we'll cover that a little bit today um, and just talk about it but yeah it's it's a very easy game to get into um, the the upfront cost is not that high, but the maintenance cost is even smaller. Um, there, there's, you know, most of the time these kits are quite good quality. They don't break easily as long as you put them together according to the instructions. For, for note, if you put them together without using the instructions and you do it wrong, they do break. I've had that happen. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's just that's just what happens. Yeah. But, um, um, and I'd also say um, painting. So, uh, you know, in almost all of these miniatures games, bar X-Wing and a few other pre-painted ones, you are mm. physically painting the figures if you want them to look pretty on the table. Um, I would say that Bolt Action is probably the easiest one to paint. Uh, military drab colors, there's not all these crazy highlights and, and special features and ornaments on the, on the actual armor and these kind of things. You can really get away with spraying them basically a khaki color coloring in the flesh with the flesh tone and 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 coloring your rifle a dark brown and you're pretty much good to go so for people who've never actually painted before i'd probably say this is the easiest thing to paint and at this scale absolutely yeah, yeah 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 definitely it's very forgiving um there's also so when you get into miniature painting, there's um, contrast paints now from uh, Games Workshop Citadel that have come out, which have made painting a little bit more accessible as well. But you've also got things like washes, inks, um, and, and shades, and all those things. It, they can accentuate your painting um, by by their application, but 
with bolt action, it's very easy to get to that point because you just put your flat colors on, put one of those washers on, and you're actually at a point of, you know what, for tabletop, they look pretty good. I'm happy with that. And um, for the conflict as well, yeah. everybody's got dirt, dark, khaki yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, no one walked on, around so. in neon green. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's... Yeah, once once you if you're brand new to, to miniature painting, like washes are really going to save you if you don't yeah. don't want to get into it too much. You can you can really kind of blasely paint on a thick layer of, of, of wash to, to, to cover. Yeah. Uh, you wash know, your novice mistakes with mm. with with um, painting the actual figures in their base colors, and it's going to be quite suitable for the conflict and for the tables. You'll yeah. definitely pass a three foot rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you hold the model out at the end of your own, if it looks like what yeah. you wanted it to, you're good to you're go. Good to and, go. And just another thing, like we've just talked about painting for about five minutes, but there are players who have never painted their force, mm. and it's not frowned upon it's not a requirement in in most tournaments um there there are exceptions to 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 a particular campaign and these kind of things but um i don't think any i've ran into anybody commenting oh why isn't this painted blah 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 um and there's also a sort of um uh, I would say there's an acceptance on on allowing proxies for things that are very similar there are you know probably 10 variations of Sherman M4 right or, yeah. or, and, and Panzer threes and Panzer fours and all these kind of things. The tanks do look similar enough that we do allow it to kind of fit through your list based on what you need to do if it pretty much looks like what it's going to be, with exception for a tournament and these kind of things. Yeah, but even for a tournament, like, um, what it was ultimately going to come down to is how far on the historical accuracy are you willing to go because the further you go down that scale, ultimately the less playability your models become. Now, yeah. there, there's no right or wrong answer to any of that. But but if you do, like for example, my uh, Americans that I've got, American paratroopers, uh, I've also got an early war American army. Um, but obviously, I, if I was way out on that edge of the historical accuracy, I wouldn't put those two sets of models together in an army. But if I'm just trying to get a pickup game with someone or just trying to get a game in the first place and I need three extra riflemen, yeah, those early war infantry are probably going to find their way in. <laughs> they're not going to look great with the rest of the unit and they're probably going to get a few looks from their comrades. But realistically, um, you know, you shouldn't sacrifice playing a game and having fun right to the very extreme of those historical accuracies. And I think there's something... There's an important distinction there, um, especially when it comes to tabletop wargaming uh, when it, looking at anything historical bolt action and a vast majority of the other games that are out there they are games first yeah. and they just yeah. have a historical setting now uh, I, obviously they don't mean that in sort of a disrespectful or to detract from the reality of the situation but their primary intent is to be a game to be fun to play and to be ostensibly balanced yeah. right and so the I think that's the thing that I like about bolt action is that if you really wanted to go historical, that's absolutely there for you. Yeah. Um, and the points cost will carry you far enough that you can sort of go, okay, I've got a perfectly historical, historically accurate platoon that, you know, of American paratroopers that dropped in like Operation Neptune, like Operation Overlord, right? Mm-hmm. You know, down to the model count and the equipment, bar maybe whether or not they've got sidearms and rifle grenades. But you can take that with your point system and go, does anybody want to play me at this point cost? And then they can take you know, a mix of early, late war Germans and throw them together and you field against it. But 
that's the beauty of something like Bolt Action and War Game is that if you wanted to simulate some historical stuff you can you can pit some accurate platoons against each other but the real power of it is go what happens if you stick um, DAK Dodgers Africa Corps in Stalingrad um, mm. against some Japanese infantry what do you get yeah and that's the beauty of a game like that mm. yeah, yeah exactly. um, another thing on the list building uh Focusing on something like a historic list that Gorchin's trying to do at the moment, um, uh, it's not at a negative impact to uh, a fair game. So uh, I found that the majority of lists that come out there with whatever mindset that you have, either I want to go all historical, I want to want to go you know a vehicle heavy list, which is what I did the other week. Um, or you know, I want to kind of go with the balance force. They've all pretty much got the same chance against each other. Um, and the other thing you'll find in other historical games, we mentioned Flames of War early on. Um, that game is broken down into early, mid, and late. And yeah. late war armies only fight late war armies because the points and things that make the game balance is really essentially three separate games. Yes. Um, yeah. Bolt action doesn't matter. Um, yeah. A rifleman from early war is the same as late war in the sense of uh, the stats and these kind of things. Um, and early lists can fight late lists, and it, you still got just as much as a chance, effectively, to win. Yeah, well, I mean, I've done it in the past. I've taken yeah. a, an early war Soviet NKVD uh, border patrol force. Um, mm-hmm. So before, just at the end of Salem purges, but before they became the secret police uh, mm-hmm. as they were. Um, very minimal armor, very minimal any equipment because they were just a border patrol force. Um, went to a went to an event, fought some late war armies, beat them. Yeah. Um, the whole thing was inexperienced, and people were just like, "I can't believe inexperienced troops that aren't just spam hoarding guns." Mm. And it's like, well, it, at the end of the day, it's partly dice, but it's you shouldn't have discounted that they were an effective force. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, another thing to give context. Um, an event or two ago that you were hosting we had that one player with the Polish Lancers yes Um, so you know Polish cavalry with physical Lancers are effective at destroying (laughs) tanks and infantry and all these kind of things pretty much everything so like um, you know what you would perceive based on you know this is this this is almost technology that that is outdated in the Great War and and, uh, because cavalry is just just not effective in in that conflict for uh, the later years and all this kind of stuff Um, that doesn't matter the game is still balanced enough that both of those players could win yes yeah, yes. and have fun doing yeah. it. And yeah, and have fun. Doing it. Yeah. I can assure you that Tom had fun doing yeah. it. <laughs> but you know, there, there there are other examples of this, like you know, Soviet partisans. They they should yeah. be an in, yeah. ineffective fighting force aside from you know guerrilla tactics and these kind of things. That they, they shouldn't be able to go head to head with mm. you know a, 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 a professional army, but they can in this game. Yes, yeah, yeah. and that's where um, you know, as Gorchin was saying, like it's it's game first and historical second. So. Mm. Um, I, I often explain Bolt Action as a historically inspired game system. Yeah. It's it's um, because it does allow. It's got to fudge things a little bit from history in order to make the game itself playable. But um, look, it's really enjoyable and it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's quite good. Um, so we might just uh, pop into what we're doing in terms of a hobby update very quickly because um, we've been chatting quite a bit already. We're sort of moving around our list yeah. a little bit. Um, but uh, so hobby update for myself. Um, 
uh, with the newborn, I've had a lot of time off work um, for carer's leave, which has been really good, um, spending time with our family and doing, doing things that I should be doing to help support uh, my newborn. Uh, little melody Such Rose. as painting miniatures. Such as painting miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, sorry, were you confused? Um, so so I've, what have I painted recently? I finished up a unit of Pink Horrors for 40K. I started and completed a unit of Screamers for 40K. Uh, I finished up the... Uh, the Kyusha from start to finish, the Kyusha multiple rocket launcher. Man, I love that thing. It's so brutal. Um, so what what um, uh, make did you use for that? Is that so a that's Rubicon? the Rubicon yeah. one? Yeah. So that's it's slightly larger than the Warlord Games one in terms of its scale, uh, but it's it's minimal. It's like a couple of centimeters on either like across the whole thing. It's not massive. Um, so I've done all those. Um, I've been three D printing out the wazoo. Um, I've been painting up some Saga miniatures for Dark Age, um, about halfway through those. Uh, and I'm just finishing off as well, alternating between those Saga Warriors, a uh, Zinch uh, Herald on disc for 40k. Oh, lovely. It's a mm. good model, that one. Yeah. 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 So it's it's all right. I've, I've, the paint job that's gone on him is, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So have you got like an old demon force that you're working on? Or? So there, there is an old demon force that is yeah. there at the moment. Um, it's it's being worked on. We're not on. talking about bolt action anymore. No. <laughs> so this is, um, yeah, this is the multi setup for... Technically, the, the models can be used for all sorts of different games where the models aren't specific. Uh, specific like Kings of War mm. obviously has Mantic's range, but mm. you can use whatever models you want. It's down to the base sizes. Um, Age of Sigma and 40K, because they're all circle bases now, the crossover is a lot mm-hmm. easier than what it used to be. Yeah. Um, the army is not competitive um, in any way, shape, or form. It's like the fluffiest thing out there. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to paint something different, which was the inspiration yeah. for the army, yeah. um, and bright pink and bright blue um, with a couple of other colors thrown in across the majority of the force. That's sort of very different to the drab greens, grays, <laughs> yeah. and blues yeah. that I, I would normally paint. So, yeah, um, yeah so that's been quite good. Um, and I'm just once the hero's done, that's the first battalion box done, and then I've got another battalion box to Lord of Change, uh, and another I think it's another of each of the core choices that's um, that's in there. But, um, yeah, so yeah, a lot's cool. been going on, um, and obviously taking care of my newborn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Jacob? Um, it just doesn't stop. There's just too many systems I get involved with. It's a big problem with me. Um, but we've got a Wings of Glory event that we're going to be setting up in probably a month or two that we've got to have a think about, you know, what kind of mats that we want and those kind of things and how we want to structure the event. So we will be working on that fairly soon. The painting uh, just finished a couple more DAC vehicles a, a week or so ago. I'm working on a commission for 40k at the moment, and that's kind of an all cornish looking uh, chaos force. Um, so that they're all in the, the bright red armor and, and, and gold on, on the trims and those kind of things. Did a Norman force for Vikings a couple weeks ago as well. Um, have a th- Two two Schumjager armies in in the list to build. Uh, I've been given an Italian army to, to paint as well. So Jacob wasn't kidding. Yeah, um, then I've got to do all the cruel seas and the black sea stuff. So I've got the starter sets for each of those. Um, I'm sure, I'm missing out on a couple other things. We did that. Probably your hobby, mate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Vietnam figures. Yeah, yeah. I picked up orcs for forty k. Oh my gosh, man! There's, there's probably like a hundred figures in there. I mean, they're fun because it's it's it, again like I've been painting these drab military colors yep. for 
years now that the the Warhammer that I thought was boring when I started forty as when I started forty k and just just as I was moving on to bold action, I was like, oh god, these 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 bright colors, it looks silly. And I moved to, to, to doing bolt action, a lot of historical stuff, and now yep. now it's an interesting um, thing to paint outside of what I'm normally doing. Yep. Um, but yeah, there, there there are boxes and boxes of things unopened, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Um, but uh, that's uh, all part of the fun of it. To be honest, uh, actually, do quite enjoy painting. It's it's a good. it's a good way to relax and let go and and, and, and not focus on other things. But um, mm. I'm always painting something that we're going to use. Yes. So it, it may go to, to a particular game system or event that we that we have down the line and these kind of things. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, I do want to have a look into building some terrain this year as well because I've cool. kind of let that go for a few years. So uh, we have this great guy called Nick in our club and he builds a lot of the terrain and a lot of the boards and these kind of things. And um I just don't feel right talking to him about my next sort of plan where I kind of want to do a uh, no man's land with a little bit of trenches on each side and, 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 and have a look at some World War One wargaming. Yeah, uh, nice. And uh, I, I, I haven't quite sold him on the idea and I haven't really discussed <laughs> it with the club either on, on what game system I want to use and these kind of things. So I might just kind of design that on my own and then, then present that later. However, John has collected a full ottoman force and he has oh, some wow. desert terrain and that would nice. go well with the desert boards that we've already got and these kind of things um but yeah i was, I was kind of looking at like french armies because early war they've got all these crazy colors which is kind of interesting and yeah very unfortunate for them yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um but, they, they so in terms of like military so they actually also had some very interesting like small arms rifle design yeah. like the label rifles of that period were, were actually really interesting and, and sort of a little bit ahead of the curve yeah right um, yeah so you're, you're actually sort of touching something quite interesting there especially mm. the, the French in World War One. they sort of are very unfortunately and, uh, uh, and unfairly sort of get written off mm. in yeah. history but yeah. they actually did some very interesting stuff at, the, at that level yeah yeah um other than that, like we we're, we're going to have pretty much a really full calendar for this year with events. I, I can't specifically go into all of them because we still need to work a lot of them out. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be at this point in the cast, we actually lose connectivity to all our cameras. We ended up just continuing on because we were enjoying what we were creating. In total, we record just under two and a half hours of content, and we're going to break those up into three parts. Forgive us, we're pretty new at this, but we'll make sure that we improve for the next one. Busy year. It was a busy year last year. Um, we got quite a bit of traction from Southern Hemisphere Open, which is a uh, probably first biggest hobby event. Mm. Um, usually it's a couple of days um, at, a, at a large venue and, and people are playing all kinds of tournaments for pretty much every game system and every club in Perth. So I'm really excited to do that again. Um, and prepare a couple of systems and get get demoing and hmm. teach people about the club and the games that we play. But um, again, last year when we did that, it was a lot focused on um, bolt action, teaching people about bolt action, how to play it, and it was really exciting because we 
we were placed right next to Tactics when you were running that event. And yeah. Like, we'd talk to them about bold action, give them a couple hours of a demo and these kind of things and just see them walk into Tactics, buy an infantry box and go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we may not have ran into that person to join the club because they, they might not be locally close to Rockingham, but hopefully they're playing bolt action and outposts or something else. Yeah. And, and that, that was really cool. Yeah, no, it's been, yeah, it's been very good. It was actually how I found out about um, oh, Rockingham really? Historical Games. Yeah, you, there so we you, go. you guys weren't... Uh, I think I was there on the Monday because it was over like a public yeah, holiday yeah, weekend. Yeah, the third day. That's when yeah. I was wiped out. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I was there sort of eight, uh, like 8 a.m. sharp for I think it was a 40k doubles event with a friend. And then right. there was a there was I remember there was like a little sort of podium in the center of like uh, SHO and that had all of the different historical war gamers and I just I remember I just like picked up business cards and I was looking at all the displays and stuff yeah, and I was yeah. like one of these guys has got to be cool um, yeah. and then I was like oh I'm late for master I gotta go <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was actually funny because I didn't meet anybody from the club but just yeah. and I think a lot of people write that off just having that physical presence was yeah was yeah got yeah. at least me in yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and it was just really easy with that big d-day board that that nick brought mm. uh that, that, that he had made that we had that all stretched out uh, i can't remember how many feet it is yeah, yeah 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 it was yeah. uh it was it's it's four, four, four feet wide yeah, yeah and they were two foot wide tiles but there were four of them so, so it was eight <laughs> foot long yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's huge but um we broke that up into the individual games so we had um one section people playing kind of like a tank war for, for bolt action we had another section in the middle that was chain of command and then we had we kind of had the the, the beginner intermediate and advanced mm. and the, the, the easy one was 148 tactic which I'd learned about maybe a week prior to that event it's yeah. kind of like a that one awesome. page or four infantry aside and it was it was really cool because I could teach people how to play the game within a couple of minutes yeah um, and yeah, yeah we had we had young kids we had we had vets come from from Vietnam and all these wow. kind of things so there, there was a railway expo next, next door, door. Yeah. yeah so they came in and um, they're like oh this is interesting you know my parents were here and that and blah 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 this looks like kind of like you know French village I'm like yeah that's exactly what we kind of tried to, try to do try to do um, but it was amazing because we just had lots of people who uh, maybe um, either inexperienced, didn't have the capacity in the sense of uh, these war games. They got large rule books and these kind of things that they. So they started off with with one forty eight, and they said, "This is interesting, Mike." You know what else is good that is the same kind of figures? <laughs> have a talk with, you know, Patrick or Sean and, and yep. have a look at bolt action or chain of command and these kind of things. So um, that that was really cool. But I want to have a look at other ways we can integrate it for this year. So an, an obvious choice would be Wings of Glory. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. And obviously Cruel Seas as well. Cruel Seas. Uh, and try and integrate the whole conflict in a number of different games yep. try and make it really simple for people to jump in and out of yes to learn about that kind of so stuff. that's sort of the main thing that i'm trying to achieve with my hobby this year i got um i i don't have anywhere nearly big piles of shame as yeah. you guys which is fortunate <laughs> that's uh, good i've got <laughs> i've got probably about my 1250 american force about half painted yeah um to a standard I'm, I'm pretty happy with so far I've got a, a couple of... i got an easy-to-build Primaris kit, which is basically three Space yeah. Marines from 40K, just because, one, the models are really cool, but I thought, you know, it's actually... You know, the last couple of years, I really put a lot of effort into into painting individual miniatures as opposed to just getting them painted and getting them on a board. And I thought, look, it's been a while since I've painted something um, from 40K, a really nice model with inspiration and really just taking the time and 
you know, try some new techniques and really get some skills going. So I've, I've really sort of knuckled down on that. And, and as you said, painting is a really nice sort of relaxing thing. Mm. And I find that it's a really good, comfortable space to go, okay, you know, let's go on Instagram. Let's find somebody who's got a cool technique. Let's just try it. Get it, pick up a model and let's give it a go. So that's sort of where I've been in the hobby space recently. I've been yeah. you know, really slowing down. I really took my time with with a Sherman kit yeah, um, that, that, that actually Nick, yeah. Nick gave to us. And, and yeah. I, I wanted some decals in the tank, but I didn't actually want to use decals. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of hand painting. I did some mm. divisional like and, and unit sort of markings. That was really fun. It was a good challenge. But I think sort of from the club point of view, the thing that sets a club from having a couple of friends to play with is those big event days. Mm. And so, yeah. you know, the Wings of Glory thing that we got on, we got... I really love that system because in about five minutes you can get people who've never even played a board game you can yeah. get them into wings and you get them to be pretty competent yeah. flying aces yeah. Yeah. so I thought look you know why don't we just get a whole bunch of people we'll supply all the models and, and all the rule kits and stuff we'll have a demo game and then we'll just we'll just run a score sheet get everybody to fly everybody and see who mm. comes out with with you know flying ace at the end of it so that's what we're going to try to achieve with that event yeah um and going to be printing out a couple of more sort of game mats for that one mm. um i think jacob you and i were sort of working on getting yeah. a tutorial for that going yeah just I because th- we did we had sort of a battle of britain one like mm-hmm. laid out in the video that we did and yeah. we actually got a lot of good feedback for that one and for the the cost and the time you know it it was about a couple hours in Photoshop, cost about 50 yeah. bucks to get it printed. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's not the same quality as you know somebody who's a professional artist coming up with a game at getting it printed on neoprene and so on and so forth. But honestly, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed with the quality and the fact that we can just uh, change the design, I guess, and, and, and make generate it whatever them. we yeah. want. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's something I'm going to go through with Gorch and at, at one point we'll, we'll put together a, a video on how we created that Wings of Glory map. I'll, we'll have to find another conflict that we'll want to... I think it would be a bit more impressive if we create something different than just a London map. Yeah, we could use for the event that we're going to put on. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, sort of talking about getting multiple game systems together. One of the events that I'm sort of designing and, and slowly starting to build some boards and some train for is I want to do an event inspired by Operation Varsity. It was sort of late World War Two. Um, you had it was effectively an airborne assault over um, the Rhine River mm-hmm. in West Germany. But it had a lot of the same things about Operation Overlord. You had you had an artillery bombardment beforehand. You had sort of troops that this time they had a better idea that it was coming. You had an airborne assault. Um, you had uh, a battle for air superiority before that. You had tanks trying to make amphibious crossings. Mm. But it was it was sort of like Operation Overlord, admittedly smaller scale. Mm-hmm. But it was by troops that had sort of already all done it before, and they okay, realized that right. the timetable was much more compressed. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't do you know, a naval bombardment the night before, you know, mm-hmm. at sunset and then have your airborne assault overnight and then have your, like, armor rock up and, it, you know, your main bulk of infantry help up, rock up later because there was a few points during that Operation Overlord where it was actually quite, um, like, linchpin. On the guns, yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. this one, there was a few moments where it was right on the line. Now, the Allies had weight in numbers and so on and so forth, so... It, you know, not to say that it was a foregone conclusion, but there was a few points where it could have gone a lot worse for them. Mm. Um, and so, Operation Varsity. What, what I'm hoping to do is we're going to have we're going to have a Wings of Glory game beforehand, and that's going to be able to dictate sort of um, air superiority and sort of troop movements beforehand. We're going to do a firefight game, which is going to be some pathfinders and some sort of scouting and probing missions. 
and then we're going to have a big sort of bolt action day that's going to be there's going to be some special rules in play based on all of the outcomes of the other games and it's not going to be you know nobody likes a game decided before they get to the table so the they're going to be sort of hindrances and advantages and disadvantages but hopefully it's not going to be one side yeah. of the turn before yeah. Him. Yeah. so a lot of my hobby time has gone into you know what makes a mission fun as yeah. opposed to sort of accurate what and and how do you have consequences without removing agency and yeah. Mm, and mm. in somewhere in between all of that I'm going to build I think it's a 12 by 4 board so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. and you Brave know man. yeah and I'm going to do that all in two months right because that's yeah. how this goes <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> that's how hobbyists do everything you're like yeah. <laughs> oh no uh, better get going uh, I, I have an interesting video to share for you um, Mini Maniac I think he just put up a, a how to build board and I, I, mm. I think I listed it on the group the other day um, but yeah, it's it's super simple. Um, those foam yeah, things yeah, that you're absolutely. buying from, from yeah, and, yeah. And, and just just chipping away at them with, with knives and these kind of things, and then gravel paint and, and, and browns and inks and that kind of stuff. And so blood. I've done a, done some smaller scale stuff. I've yeah. done some dioramas. I've made some yeah. props out of foam before. Cool. Yeah. So none of, hopefully none of the individual techniques are going to be yeah. uh, too, too much out of, yeah. out of comfort zone how yeah. much you're doing and, yeah. and then also putting it together because you know yeah. I might have I might have built a building or I've done like a little trench system mm-hmm. or I've done a little hill you know to put a piece of armor on for example yeah. but that's different to making a board that's fun to play yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah definitely so I'm going to be relying a lot on Nick and his yeah, advice yeah yeah and it's <laughs> I got heaps of materials in my hobby of shame. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for checking in with us. That's the end of the first part of the first episode of the Historical Miniature Gamers podcast. Be sure to check where we left off in parts two and three.